0: Good morning. Ten thirty. It's time to begin our worship service this morning. Like to welcome everyone here. And if you're visiting with us, we're certainly glad to have you. Invite you back this evening at six o'clock. Welcome our visitors. And a reminder: we have cards in the back of the pews, and we'd love for you to fill them out. And Put them in a the collection plate or hand them off to uh, someone beside you. Either way, we'd love to hear from you. Just want to say our men's retreat is coming up. It'll be two months. It'll be here before you know it. Mark your calendars, March 18th and 19th. Men's retreat. We had a great day yesterday. We had a uh, chili cook-off yesterday, Life Group 2, uh, in charge of that and all the cooking and everything that Connie does in the time she spends in the kitchen there was 11 people that entered that cook-off and Jeremy Miller won Jeremy that's the way show that men can cook brother I'm proud of you but there was 11 different types of chili and and those of you know me, I'm am a picky eater. If I look down, I see a tomato, onion, anything green, I don't eat it. So, I voted for the ham and cheese sandwich, but Jeremy won. Jeremy won, but, but it was fun. We we they had awards. Uh, matter of fact, what was it, Jeremy? A three-day trip to Las Vegas. Is that what somebody said yesterday? Yeah. So you messed out if you didn't come and enter. But I want to thank the Life Groups 2 and Life Group 3, Jeremy's Life Group. They uh, had a cleaning, cleaned in the building afterwards, and just some things that got done inside, outside windows, the stairwells, we changed the filters, we cleaned the upstairs classroom, changed bulbs and repaired lights. Uh, put up the clothes rack, reinforced that, removed stains and spots from the pews, replaced pencils and papers in the back of the pews, so it was a good afternoon, and uh, a lot was accomplished in just a few hours, and we certainly want to thank everybody for that. This morning, we will have a a guest speaker, and uh, at the appropriate time, uh, Chris will introduce him, and, and he will speak to us this morning, so as we begin our worship service, let's bow and go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for another day. Father, we're thankful that we're able to be here this morning and study your word. And, and Father, to be able to, uh, to just worship you, God, our most high and holy, holy king. Father, we're thankful for that, and, and we're thankful for those who are here this morning. We pray that you will bless us all. And Father, we're mindful of those who have uh, lost loved ones recently. We, uh, we pray for the uh, family of Craig Hayes and continue to pray for the Egner family and the Floyd family and, and others, Father, who are hurting and those who are listed in our bulletin that will be uh, mentioned later on in our service father we just pray for everyone and and we pray father a special prayer for uh, jimmy wilkes as he begins his uh, uh chemo treatments father and and we ask that you'll bless him and things will uh things will work out well for him and we pray for all those who are battling uh, a that, that terrible disease father we uh, ask that you will uh be with us as we serve you and father be with us as we hear a lesson today and uh, and father we're thankful for our uh benevolence program and and for what the the church does here at rome and churches throughout the world and and we pray father that you'll continue to uh, to bless us and those who work with that programs and give them the health and the financial aid that they need father to to be able to help those in need forgive us when we fall short in jesus name we pray amen would you stand please for the first song
1: first hymn this morning number 501 501 oh worship the king <clears throat>
2: All worship the King, the glorious One. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: next hymn this morning, number 711, True-Hearted, Whole-Hearted, 711. And after this hymn, the Great Keister, we'll have our uh, scripture reading and prayer.
3: The scripture reading I've been asked to read is uh, from Acts 10, verse 30 through verse 37. Cornelius said, Four days ago to this hour I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send, therefore, to Joppa, and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, To come to you, he is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. And so I sent to you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. And now then we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. And he opened his mouth, and Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation... The man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the things which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism, which John proclaimed. Bow with me, if you will. Our Father in heaven, as we gather this morning to worship you, we acknowledge that you are everything to us you are our god our creator the savior savior of our souls the one who will reward us eternally if we have been found faithful and in, in accordance with your will by the lives that we have lived here on this earth we pray father that as we go through our lives that we will Do everything we can to mold our thoughts and our actions, our behavior to that which we find in the perfect model that we had in your son and in the word that he and the spirit have delivered to us that we know contains truth. We pray, Father, as we gather this morning that each of us has determined in his or her heart to do everything we can to gain the most benefit that we can from having been here. We have an opportunity to not only worship you, but to fellowship with one another, to learn more about your word, to remember your son and his sacrifice in the Lord's Supper, to pray to you, to sing to you. All these are enjoyed by those who are in attendance. We pray, Father, that we will use those activities and those uh, efforts to inspire us, Father, to do your will better this coming week than we have in the past. Father, we have those among us and those with whom we are familiar who are suffering, uh, whether that be a physical illness or or a recent loss of a loved one or maybe even suffering uh, spiritually, a weakness on their part. Help us, Father, to be aware of those individuals to be able to say something or even do something that will help whatever their situation might be so that they can once again be restored to you, to us, so that they can give 100% for you, not only in their worship, but in their lives as well. We pray for this congregation that as it endeavors and strives to do your will that we will always stand for the truth, that we will rebuke those who contradict it, and that as a result we will grow stronger. We're thankful for your Son, the love that he showed to us and for us in his willingness to leave his estate in heaven and come to this earth to suffer and die, rise again and return to heaven, showing us that we too will be able to overcome death because of what he has done for us and that we can have an eternal life with you and him and all those who are saved at some point. We ask that you be with us as we worship, Father. It's in your son's name. Amen. Next in this morning, number 511.
1: Oft we come together. 511. And after this, Amber the Derrick, we'll have our uh, Lord's Supper celebration.
2: <coughs> All we together
4: As I have begun to mature and grow older and got to the point where I've really wanted to start stop counting birthdays, right have any of you got to that point where you've stopped counting birthdays well, so as you get older i 've thought more about what I wanted to be remembered for um, i've I have so much to be thankful for for my family and the memories that I have of them and The word that comes to mind is legacy that my family has left me Legacy a lot of times in the banking world is thought about in inheritance and um, business transition and things like that but in the personal world in the family world legacy is What are you going to be remembered for? What what do you what kind of legacy are you going to leave for your children for your For your family, uh, for the church, and um, i I can't help but think we know obviously that God has an intentional plan for everything that he did and everything that he did specifically for uh, the work of salvation and when we we follow the the plan of salvation that obviously Jesus came to fulfill, I want to go back to the Old Testament, and um, in Exodus, when Moses was given the uh, the charge to go and, re- and free the um, Hebrew people from the bondage of Egypt, from slavery in Egypt, and um, obviously we know that Pharaoh was not agreeable to releasing the slaves, releasing the Hebrew people, so the plagues of Egypt came through, and it took the plagues and finally the final plague which was the death of the firstborn son of everyone in Egypt that the death angel brought but um, God made a plan He told Moses to instruct the Hebrew people to take lamb's blood and spread it over the hearth of the doorway so that the death angel would not hit that house and the firstborn child of that household would be spared. So, fast forward that to Jesus coming to this earth. God's plan of salvation to, to save all of us. And when I think about a legacy that Jesus left, Jesus did many, many miraculous miracles that were, would have been remarkable to see. I mean, to have been in the crowd when we saw Lazarus come out of the grave after he'd been there for three days. What an amazing sight that would be. The healing someone from far away that he never even got close to. Jesus did so many remarkable things. But if you'll turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, we're going to be in Luke chapter 22. And I want to read to you what Jesus wanted to be remembered for. What he wanted his legacy to be. Uh, Luke 22, uh, starting in verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go, make preparations to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked. And he replied, As you enter a city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that it enters, that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room? Where may I eat Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room all furnished, make preparations there. And they left, and they found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until I find its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you by the hand of him who is going to betray me, is with mine to the table. The Son of Man will go, as has been declared, but woe to the man that betrays him. So Jesus, in the, the last days that he has with the disciples, he tells them that he wants them to remember his giving of himself, giving of his body to be broken, and the shedding of his blood for the for forgiveness of our sins. Um, let's pray together for the bread. Dear Lord, we're so thankful for your life and ultimately your sacrifice of your life by giving yourself up for us, that through you we have hope. Father, as we take the bread together, help us to remember and cherish the sacrifice that you made for us that gave us hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Join me in prayer as we pray for the fruit of the vine. Dear Lord, thank you for your blood that was shed for me in my sin, that I might have forgiveness by your sacrifice. I am so thankful, Lord, for what you've done for me. Help me as I, as I drink of this cup, Lord, to remember your sacrifice. This concludes our our Lord's Supper, but I want to continue on in our worship service to take the time to give thanks to God by giving back for all that he has blessed us with, as Brother Castile was telling us in Sunday school this morning and in reminding us that all that we have is God's anyway, and what we are are doing is we're giving back to God, um, thanking him, And appreciating how he has given to us. And we are called as his people to be good stewards of the resources that he blessed us with. To be the caretaker of them. And part of our responsibility is to to take up a collection and provide for our, our local congregation and the needs of our local congregation. So at this time, if you'll join me in prayer as we pray for our collection and our offering. Father God, I thank you for all that you do and all that you are father i just ask that as we take up our collection this morning lord that you you bless the the gift and bless the person who gives it and that father the contribution is is used to do your work and to follow the kingdom in jesus name amen
1: Let's all please stand, and we'll sing hymn number 572, Send the Light, 572. So at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. There's a call
2: comes ringing for the best of us Send the light, send the light, send the light. There are souls to, to rest, there are souls there to Change the light, change the light, change the light, change the light.
1: invitation to him this morning, number 714, Trust and Obey, 714,
5: Brother Chris. Good morning. Uh, We are blessed and honored today to have our brother Dwayne Castile with us. He works with the Churches of Christ Disaster Relief Effort in Nashville. Uh, We've had the opportunity in 2019 to go down, uh, some of our group did from here, and work uh, with their organization, helping volunteering for a day or so there. And we're very blessed by that. In fact, Marvin uh, McAllister's written an article in our fr- on the front page of our bulletin this morning about uh, our activities there. You should go back and read that. That's that's a, a good article. It kind of gives you a little bit of insight into what we did and our, how we spent our time there. Dwayne did a great job this morning, uh, giving us a window into uh, their work that they that they try to do there. And we're grateful to be able to be a part of that. Uh, this morning, he's going to speak to us, so we invite him to to the podium now.
6: I want to thank you again for your financial support of Churches of Christ, Disaster Relief effort. Uh, on the table out in the foyer, if you're not familiar with us, there's a little brochure that will introduce us to you. If you want to know what we did last year, there's a brochure there that tells you it's broken down inside state by state, uh, the township we went to, the congregation we worked with, and what the disaster was and all of those facts and figures. There's also a model truck. That's what our trucks look like going down the highway, uh, delivering uh, disaster relief supplies. You know, communication is a hard thing to do. We always are at a point that we might be misunderstood. Several years ago, One of the college professors at Lipscomb was going to a seminary in Cincinnati, and he'd ride the train up at night, get in Cincinnati so he could be at class on Monday morning. So he gets to the train station, he gets a taxi, and he tells the driver, uh, the driver said, where do you want to go? He said, to the seminary. And the taxi driver said, the cemetery. He said, yes, at the seminary. Okay, I'll take you to the cemetery. Words sound a lot alike, but the professor didn't get to the seminary. He got to the cemetery. Uh, We had a little confusion a while ago. I gave a scripture reading. Uh, I said, Acts 11, 30 through 37. My brother comes back and he says, Acts 11 stops at verse 27. I said, oh, it was chapter 10, 30 through 37. And that's what was read for us. The problem was I intended to say Luke. And I said Acts. <laughs> and even when he come back to me, I'm still thinking Luke. But he's thinking Acts because that's what I said in the beginning. Uh, appreciate the text in chapter 10 as as he read that for me my memory went back to an event in in Cuba we were studying with this man he had some knowledge of the gospel he had attended a little congregation in his town but we went over to study with him to help him better understand and as we talked about the gospel he said well I know all of that's true, I, know, I understand all of that, but I, I would like for God to give me a sign. You know, it's amazing how many people look for a sign. And I said, don't you think he's given you one? I said, look here in Acts chapter 10. Didn't God send Peter over to Cornelius? Think about where we are today. Here you are in Cuba... And here, I live in Alabama, back in the United States, and God has brought me to your house. He didn't do it through miracles, but he brought me here. Isn't that a good enough sign for you? He said, yes, it is. The Cuban preacher took him down to the bay, baptized him into Christ. But the text I really wanted, and I didn't give the proper book, was Luke. Chapter 10, verse 30 through 37. You're familiar with this text. I'm sure you've read it many times. Probably talked about it in Bible class a lot. Her preachers preach on it. My wife, she began to teach preschoolers at the age of 15. And that's been her expertise almost all of her life. She was taught preschoolers. She did it in church she did it in Head Start but I wonder how many times over the years that she taught the little children about the good Samaritan what brings a story about is that a lawyer comes to Jesus and he wants to entrap him wants to ensnare him He wants to get him to say something that the lawyer could find fault with. And he would go off and tell everybody else, we don't need to listen to this man anymore. He asked him one question, and the first one was, what must a person do to have eternal life? And Jesus refused to answer the question. He told the lawyer, you know the law. What is your reading?" What is your understanding? Because we're still under the law of Moses, remember, when this takes place. And he said, I was to love the Lord your God, and to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, that's correct. Do that and you'll live. And then the lawyer got to thinking, and he said, I want to ask you another question. The neighbor that I'm to love as myself, will you tell me who that is? Who is my neighbor? And I'm thinking maybe the lawyer was thinking within his mind that Jesus is going to say this person is, this one is, or this one is not. Because see, in the first century among the Jewish people, the only neighbor you had was a fellow Jew. You had to descend from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and on down the line. And even among those folks... A good Pharisee might not accept a good Sadducee as his neighbor because he doesn't believe in angels. He doesn't believe in the resurrection. How can he be my neighbor? So maybe Jesus will have a hard time answering this question, but Jesus tells him a story. The story that we come to call the story of the Good Samaritan. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves. "...who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was... And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds and poured on oil and wine and set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn. And he took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he, the lawyer said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Simple story, isn't it? Story about a man traveling down a road, falls into the hands of thieves and robbers, they outnumbering, they overpowering, they took everything he has, and they stripped him of everything. They wounded him so severely, he's half dead, and they leave him lying by the road to die. It's almost like turning the television on and watching the evening news, isn't it? But Jesus said, as the man lies there, and try to envision it in your mind, here's this man lying over here on the road, he's half dead. Each moment that passes, he's that much nearer to death. He cannot help himself. He needs someone to come, see him lying there, and rescue him. And Jesus said a certain priest came. What better person to come? The temple is still in Jerusalem. Priests go about their priestly duties there. This is God's man or a man of God. You think, that's the person that needs to come. But you know the priest comes, and I don't know whether he's walking, riding an animal, riding in a cart... But he sees the man lying there, and that's all he does. He just sees him. Gets over on the other side of the road, gets as far away from him as he can, continues his journey, and he leaves the poor man there to die. Jesus said another man comes, a Levite, which simply means he's a member of the tribe of Levi, which is the priestly tribe. And again, you'd think this is a man of God or God's man, and the priest or the Levite comes down and he sees the man lying there and he looks upon him. Seems like the priest just glanced at him and saw him. And that's... But the Levite looked at him. And surely as he looked upon him, he knows this man needs someone to help him. But he does the same thing that the priest did. He gets on the other side of the road, continues his journey. Another man comes. This man is a Samaritan. Everybody that we can identify up to this point are Jewish, are they not? The lawyer who asks the question, Jesus who tells the story, the priest and the Levite in the story are all Jewish. I don't know about the man lying on the road. He doesn't tell us, or the thieves. But this third man that comes along and sees him, he's a Samaritan. And if you go back to the first century and study the relationship between the Jewish people and the Samaritans, you'll be shocked at what you find. The Jewish people had no dealings with the Samaritans. They're different from us. They're beneath us. We're better than they are. Don't you know they're a mixed race? Don't you know they worship God differently? Their culture is different. We don't associate with them. But this Samaritan whether he could identify this man lying there as Jewish or not, he has compassion on him. And because he has compassion, maybe what the priest and the Levite did not have, but because he had compassion, he goes to him, he ministers to him on the road, binds up his wounds, pours some oil and wine on him, puts him on his animal, goes down the road, gets a room at an inn, takes care of him the remainder of that day and the next night, And for whatever reason the Samaritan is traveling, the next day he must continue his journey. But the wounded man that he rescued the day before isn't able to. And so I suppose the Samaritan says, what do I do? He decided to go to the innkeeper. Will you take care of the wounded man that I brought in last night or yesterday until he's able to travel? Gives him two denarii and says, now if you spend more than that, you keep a record of it. When I come back again, you give me the bill and I'll repay you for everything you spend. It's a simple story, isn't it? And As Jesus told that story, he turned to the lawyer and said, Who proved to be neighbor? The man who fell into the hands of the thieves and the robbers. And he said, The one who showed mercy. Jesus said, That's true. I want you to go. And do what he did. I want you to go and do likewise. Can you imagine this proud Jewish lawyer being told by Jesus, I want you to follow the example of a Samaritan. I want you to imitate what the Samaritan did. I want you to look at that Samaritan and do likewise. Well, it's a simple story. The application is simple. My question is, does that apply to you and me? I'm sure that it does. Aren't we to do good to all people? Matthew 25, aren't we to feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, visit those who are sick and in prison, take the stranger in? Sure we are, going clockwise. Well, what did the Samaritan do? He saw someone who needed his help. Don't we see people day after day that needs our help? When he saw him, he had compassion upon him. Shouldn't we have compassion upon people that need us? He did what he could do for him. He administered first aid. He took him to an inn, took care of him. And then when he could not finish the task, for whatever reason he needed to continue his journey, he gets someone to help him. Day after day, we see people who need us. There may be illness in the family. There may be death in the family. There may be some tragedy, some misfortune. There may be difficulties within the family itself. What do we do? When we discover these. It's easy to pass by on the other side. It's easy to say we have good elders. They can take care of it. We have some good deacons. They can take care of it. We have a good preacher. He can take care of it. And try to excuse herself. You ever do that? I'll raise my hand. There have been times, and I thought somebody else can do it. And maybe they can. But if I have the opportunity and the ability to do it, does that excuse me? He said, well, Duane, what can we do for a family where there is illness or a death has taken place or some tragedy or some misfortune may be there? There are a lot of things you can do. I'm not a great person to make phone calls, but some people are. You make a phone call. You can visit. You can send a card, a letter. You know, there's a lost art today. Does anybody get a piece of paper out and a pen and actually write a letter? Or a note. We text them, don't we? And that's good. People may need a hug. I come from a family that did not show compassion. Well, that's not the right word. We didn't demonstrate our love for each other publicly. My wife comes from a family. They hugged trees before people started hugging trees. They hugged everybody. We lived in Delaware and I was taking some preachers and we're going to Fried Hardeman to the lecture ship and we stopped in Sweetwater where Betty's parents live and I knew on this particular Sunday the family gathered together for a family meal. I take these preachers over there from Maryland and Delaware and they went in and they were shocked that everybody hugged them. I said, that's this family. I I learned to hug. A good hug does a lot for some people. There are some people who don't like to be hugged. My Betty, my my wife, she, she can read people, and she can sense that they don't want to be hugged, and she won't hug them, or she may ask, may I? But most of us enjoy a good hug, particularly if we're hurting. You may do simple things for people. Winter's coming. We had not had any snow yet. But we're probably going to get some. You can shovel the walk for people. You can uncover their car. A few years ago, we got a big snow in Charlestown. I don't know, about three feet of snow. I mean, snow was everywhere. We live in a townhouse, and the neighbors next to us, we got out and shoveled our cars out to where we could get out if we needed to go. And I was going to have to leave later that day to go somewhere to be with the church on Sunday. And I said, I'm going to go in and catch my breath and get a cup of coffee. Then I'm going to go out and shovel my van out. It's on Side Street. I got my cup of coffee, and I went out to shovel the van out. My neighbors had already done it. They shoveled it out for me. They dug my van out. I mean, it was covered up. It had been plowed under with snow. In the summertime, people may need their lawn mowed. You know, if mom's sick or dad's sick or there's something in the family that's taking them away, they may need some transportation. They may need some child care. There are just a lot of things that people need day after day that we see them in situations. I'm no expert. I don't have the expertise, just put it that way, to deal with some things that people deal with. I don't have the expertise to help an addict. whether it's drugs or alcohol, pornography or whatever it be. I I don't have the expertise to do that. When I discover somebody has that problem, I can go to them and tell them I love them. I can give them a hug. And I can say, if you want some help, I'll get you some help. I'll find people that have the expertise to help you. Well... Just don't pass by on the other side. And then the reason I'm here this morning is disaster relief. We don't want churches to have to pass by on the other side because they don't have the capability to take care of the needs of people following a major disaster. We want to provide the things that are needed. We've been around about 30 years. We pretty much know what's needed. And we'll send that 53-foot trailer full of those supplies so the local church then can minister under their leadership to the people who's been affected by whatever that disaster is. You can help people who have suffered loss, loss of property, Loss of homes or houses. Maybe some people even lost loved ones in the disaster. Almost every major disaster you read about or see on television, somebody has died as a result of that flood or that tornado or whatever. And we want to help as quickly as we can. A little over a year ago, Tornadoes hit in Arkansas and Tennessee, and particularly in western Kentucky. They hit on a Friday night and a Saturday morning. Our first truckload was unloaded in Mayfield, Kentucky, Saturday afternoon. By the next Saturday, in eight days, we delivered eight truckloads of supplies to congregations in western Kentucky. Poor Kentucky. Back at the end of July and the 1st of August in eastern Kentucky, they had major flooding. And again, we responded. Responded very quickly. You see, in our facilities, we keep enough supplies to load 40 trucks. We keep six or eight truck loads pre-staged. So if you had a need here, and I contacted one of the elders, and I said, send us a truck, one of our warehouse personnel can load that truck within minutes while Mike gets on the phone and calls one of our volunteer truck drivers and when he gets there the truck is ready to go the paperwork is done a few months ago a tornado hit in upper Michigan community of Gaylord I called the preacher and talked to him and he said well we don't know the damage because in the part of the town where the tornado hit they won't let us in but by Sunday we will know And our elders will be at church, and we'll talk about it, and I'll call you back. So I'd spoken somewhere Sunday morning, and I'm driving up I-79 toward Morgantown, and it's raining. Don't you just love to drive in the rain? And uh, I get a phone call from the preacher. He says, how soon can we get a truck? I said, you need to work that with Mike Lewis in Nashville. I'll call Mike, and I'll give him your name and your phone number, and he'll call you. I called Mike and gave the information to him. and called the preacher back, and I said, he'll call you any time. Well, that's mid-afternoon Sunday. 6.30 Sunday evening, the truck left Nashville for Gaylord. We only work as a rule, Monday through Friday. Somebody had to come in on Sunday afternoon and load a truck. Somebody had to do the paperwork for that truckload of supplies. Mike had to find a truck driver. All of that was done in a matter of within three hours and the truck was on its road. We don't want you to have to pass by on the other side. We'd like for you to come to Nashville and visit us Monday through Friday, 8 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. If you'd like to come down and volunteer, call ahead of time. All the material on the table has information. You can call and say, hey, we got this group. Or if you're going to be in Nashville for some reason, as a family or as an individual, go by and visit. Meet the staff. Let them show you through our facilities and see what it's all about. I started to mention something in Bible class, and I said, I'll try to remember in a sermon, and I remember. One of the ladies said that had five people baptized shortly after that helped people following flooding. In the days of hurricanes, we always think about Katrina. Think about New Orleans, because so many people lost their lives. The drowning, the flooding was so bad. The city was turned upside down and sometimes we forgot about other places. Biloxi, Mississippi got hit too. It got hit primarily with wind And we were helping a church down there. We sent supplies and other people had sent supplies and they were a distribution center and and a man came over one day and said, I understand you're helping people who lost things during the storm. And I said, yes, we are. He said, well, I've lived here all of my life. This is the worst storm that's ever come through here. And I lost about everything I had. And they said, well, what do you need? And he told them and they got it for him and they got his name and phone number and address and... And uh, he left. In a few days, he comes back. And he says, you know, I got to thinking. That hurricane got me to thinking. But when I come over here and saw what you folks are doing, it really got me to thinking. You didn't know me. You still don't know me. You didn't know most all of these people come by. You just said, what do you need? Can I have your name and address and phone number? well they hadn't had a chance to begin to follow up they're still doing the first responding and this man comes back and and he's telling them I'm thinking after all of this I need to change the way I live you see he told them if you come into the part of the city that I live in everybody knows me And if you ask about me, everybody's going to tell you the very same thing. If he's not the meanest man in town, he's one of the meanest. He said, that's who I've been. That's a reputation I earned. I've done it all. I've abused people. I've taken advantage of people. You name it and I've done it. But he said, you know, I'm thinking I need to change the way I live. You're one of the meanest men in town the lock on his heart has been unlocked and the door has been opened. I don't know how long they studied with him. I don't know how often. I just know during that time, he wanted to become a Christian. He wanted to be baptized and they had a little problem. See where their baptistry was in the building, that part of their building had been damaged by the storm. They couldn't use their baptistry. What are we going to do? Somebody said, can't we use a big garbage can? In Cuba, I've seen small people baptized in 55-gallon barrels. has to be a small person, but it can be done. So I wasn't surprised, and they said, get a big garbage can. They got it and cleaned it out, filled it with water, got a step ladder. The preacher was a small man physically. He said, I'm going to help you into the the water, and I'm going to climb up the ladder I'm going to put my hand on top of your head and I get ready to baptize you. I'm going to press down. And when I do that, you've got to bend your knees because I can't force you to. And when you're all the way under the water, I'll take my hand off of your head and you can stand back up. You understand? He said, yes. Went under the water. Preacher took his hand off of his head and the man didn't come up preacher said it seemed like it was a long time but it's just a matter of seconds finally when he did Roger Mills was the preacher Roger said why'd you stay under the water so long he said I wanted to make sure that all of my sins were washed away the meanest man in town had his sins washed away through baptism by the blood of Jesus you may not be the meanest person in town, but if you've never been baptized, if you've never confessed your faith in Jesus, you've never turned away from sin and given him your life, you need to do that. Just come forward. Let your wishes be made known. If you need to respond to the invitation in any way, will you come? We'll stand and sin.
2: When we walk with the Lord in the light of his Word, what a glory is this While we do His good He's a and we all the
5: Good morning, church family. If you're visiting with us, we are glad you decided to worship with us this morning. If you can take a moment to file a visitor card and put it in one of the boxes in the back, we'd love to have a record of your attendance. A couple announcements before we are dismissed. As a reminder, that next Sunday will be the potluck. We'll have one o'clock service. There will be no six o'clock service. Uh, Everyone is invited to that. And then Wednesday, February the 1st, is Stepping Stones Dinner. I'm not sure what's on the menu yet. I'm sure we'll find out soon. But uh, next, on February 1st, Wednesday, Stepping Stones. Okay, it's soup. Okay. Uh, soup is on for Stepping Stones supper, February 1st. Also, uh, Tuesday, February 7th at 6.30 will be the Ladies of Joy uh, movie night. So all ladies are encouraged to go to that. Um, also, uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board for snacks for CYC. Um, I'll have a, a tote out there for everybody to put their uh, snacks in there. These are the snacks that the kids have requested. Um, just don't forget Steeler's Fudge Rounds. So he's, he specifically asked for Fudge Rounds. But uh, um, So if you can help out with that, that would be greatly appreciated. We'll also have boxes for our college kids for Valentine's Day. We usually send them cards and uh, just little gifts. Uh, to mail to them uh, every Valentine's Day, so that will be out in the foyer table as well. I have a thank you card from the Floyd family. It says, to our church family, words just aren't enough to show our appreciation shown to the family over the past few weeks. From the text, the cards, the phone calls, prayers, and food, you've made it a little easier to get through a tough time. Jackie, Jeff and Jackie Floyd and family. And this card will be posted out in the four-year board. to uh, continue to keep um, the Egner family in your prayers, and the, and the Floyd family as well in your prayers. Uh, they lost loved ones uh, last week. So to continue to keep them in your prayers. Um, updates on our sick list. I have to read this the way it is, because um, if you know Marvin Jordan, uh, I know he would get a kick out. It says, Marvin Jordan has a screw loose in his back. But uh, I just thought that was funny because uh, he's a funny man. But uh, but he has a screw. He had a screw uh, pop out of his back. Just remember to continue to keep him in your prayers as well. Uh, remember to continue to keep those who are struggling with cancer at this time. Uh, Terry Leap, that's Gary's brother. Keep him in your prayers and Jennifer Baker as well. Keep her in your prayers and Amber uh, Spitzer. Uh, Heather Dempsey's brother Joe had uh, was taken to the hospital last week. For blood pressure issues, keep him in your prayers. And also, remember, to continue to keep Jim Wilgus in in your prayers as well. He had a doctor's appointment for his chemo treatment last week. Um, So keep him in your prayers, that everything goes well with that. Uh, That's all the announcements I have. Oh, um, one more. Keep our kids, high school kids, in your prayers as well. Um, Just had word that... um, one of the high school students at Fairland took his own life um, yesterday. Um, just pray for our kids. I mean they go through a lot and I hate to hear I hate to hear that and I'm sure you do too, but uh, pray for them on a regular basis. That's all the announcements I have. We'll sing one more song be dismissed in prayer.
1: Let us all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 499. Sing the first two verses of O to be like thee. And then Brother Kevin Harvey will have a prayer. <clears throat> Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures, Jesus, thy perfect likeness to earth. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness.
7: With me, please. Heavenly Father, as we come to you once again today, Father, we're truly thankful for everything that you bless us with in this life. Father, we're thankful for the church here and all of our brothers and sisters. Pray that you'll continue to be with the church, Father, and continue to bless every effort that's being put forth. Continue to be with the deacons and elders and the good work that they do. Continue to be with all the Bible teachers and the preschool and whatever else, Father, that everything everybody's involved in father that you'll continue to bless it and it'll be successful father father we pray for all those that have lost loved ones that you will continue to comfort and strengthen them in the coming days father help help them to grow stronger and help them to lean more onto you father pray that you'll continue to be with all the shut-ins let them know they're still loved and cared for father help us to help them in any way we can Most of all, Father, we pray for our shortcomings, that you will continue to be with us in our daily walk of life, that you'll help us in each and every situation that we have, Father, and forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name I pray, amen.